Folk music. People love it, but the further you go back in time, the harder it is to find out who actually wrote this folk song that everyone has been passing around for hundreds of years. Some people think King Henry VIII wrote today's song, but others say that's impossible as it features a style of Italian music that didn't reach England until after King Henry's passing. What we do know is a guy named Richard Jones registered the broadside ballad version of this song with the London Stationers Company in September of 1580. Broadsides, also known as broad sheets, were cheap sheets of paper used to print ballads, poems, news, woodcut illustrations, and whatever else common folk might want to have a look at. Broadside ballads are different from traditional ballads in that they're often about less epic subjects, such as being sad that your lover doesn't love you anymore, even though you've been super nice to them. The song Jones registered was a hit, inspiring six more ballads following the titular character to be registered in under a year. But how does a hit broadside ballad turn into a Christmas song? Is a question you couldn't possibly be asking unless, of course, you read the title of this episode and said to yourself, Hey, I know that Christmas song. Well... This folk song turned Christmas staple got printed in a lot of books, and although it had lyrics, the lyrics often changed for one reason or another, and so a bunch of different versions of the song were in circulation. Around the 19th century, people felt that some version or another was a pretty good Christmas song. It could be that the version called What Child Is This, written by William Chatterton Dix in 1867, is the version that made it a Christmas classic, as it is explicitly about Jesus Christ. But that doesn't seem to be the title that this piece is most widely recognized by. Of course, its original title is also not all that recognizable. A new northern ditty of ye lady greensleeves. That's right. We're talking Green Sleeves by English folk of the 16th century on Cover Me. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that compares famous songs to their many cover versions to find out which one will vouchsafe to love me. I'm your host, as always, The Snake, joined by my man clothed all in green. Alex Mildenberger, you can't tell, but I, I actually am wearing green. Are you wearing green? Is it all green? Um, No, but I have a green sweater on. It looks brown nice. in some light, but it looks green right now. Um, The sleeves, though? Green? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing. Mr. Greensleeves over here. They call me Mr. Greensleeves because I'm getting fucked in the grass. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'm doing good. Just a little tired. From all the grass fucking. From all the grass fucking. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Right on, Alex. Alex, it's the Christmas season. Yeah, it is. Um, We just hit uh, December times in reality, but it's even later in in future times, listening times. Future times. Um, some people might be concerned that we're not doing a video game uh, sort of wintry theme song. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog's two Escape from the City. When you're, you know, winter, holiday time is often a time when you get away from the hustle and bustle of life. Yeah. And so Escape from the City, I am going to put forth the argument right now, is a Christmas song. It's a Christmas song. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it didn't even need to be said. Of course, but some people are a bit slow. You know how people are on the yeah. internet, Alex. Yeah. Well... But Alex, we're talking about Green Sleeves, a song that I know only because, one, the tune, like the little fucking <laughs> melody is very familiar. But I only know it by name, I think, because of the Jethro Tell Christmas album. Yeah, uh, because I foisted that upon whoever would listen for a while. Man. Yes, and I was one such person, and what a blessing that album is. <laughs> what, yeah, it really is. I, Truly, like I used to play it. I used to try to get it played at my family Christmases, and they said, "Fuck this noise!" But, <laughs> buddy, it rocks. Yeah, honestly, my my parents were into it, like at least a little bit, um, at least enough to let me play it 
but we would always listen to Christmas music around the house around this time of year. My mm. mom would always be playing the Christmas CDs and stuff. So it, it was just one more to put in the, the pile, you know, because it was right, constantly it was rotating. Uh, right. Sarah McLaughlin and Boney M and, and uh, Michael Bublé and uh, whoever. Yeah, my, my family was pretty strict. You know, I was like, listen, we've got our classics, your Boney M's, your Michael Bublé's. <laughs> and if we stray from that path, we're going to complain about it for the rest of the evening. So Jethro Tull did not get to, to blast some flutes in, in my household. Not for long, anyhow. <laughs> That's a shame. That is a shame. But we're not strictly but, talking about Jethro Tull this week, Alex. No, we're not. We're talking about Greensleeves, which, as you mentioned, is a very old song. It's at least Super. as old as 1580, but honestly, I mean, some of the trivia about it is so weird, and I feel like there's a lot of assumptions in there that like yeah. aren't substantiated, and maybe a historian could substantiate them, but a lot of them are not, and especially stuff about like, oh, they wouldn't do this if it wasn't like influenced by this one specific Italian style, and it's like, isn't isn't it possible they did though? Like. <laughs> Is it completely yeah, like, impossible for that? I don't even. They don't even thinking. say what those things are in what I read, anyway. Yeah, it didn't really mention that, but it. the two things that it mentions in terms of the construction of this song is that it has uh, Romanesca or the Pazzamezzo Antico. Uh, it's like, like a particular chord progression. Yeah. So, and you're also right, and it's like. Well, maybe King Henry VIII fucking stumbled upon this chord yeah. progression. Oh, like, I, I don't think not? Henry VIII did, probably. I don't think he wrote it. <laughs> but, like, the, the idea that it could be older is, like, why not? Yeah, is why not? And, yeah, it was registered in 1580 yeah. by some fucking dude. Did he, was he, like, my, my question is with these broadsheets, like, they did have sometimes, like I said, like, wood, uh, woodcut illustrations and shit. So was he registering the song itself or the song presented as it was on the broadsheet? I think my impression was it was like, like, he w kind of registered the, the written music. Okay. Which I don't know what sort of system was in place. Which, yeah, even then, I'm There's sure like, maybe a copyright game the something. system. Yeah. He was like, wait, has somebody put... He's like, might as well try it. <laughs> Nobody else has put in the copyright. I'll get it. And then I'm Mr. Greensleeves. <laughs> yeah, I'm and like... i getting fucked in the grass. <laughs> fucked in the grass. And the idea of, like, a song being around for a long time and then someone recording it in some way mm -hmm. who didn't write it, but, like is the first person to be recorded having performed it or whatever, or written it down, is not such a strange thing. I mean, someone we're going to talk about later, Pete Seeger, he's known for performing songs that he didn't write and recording songs. He didn't write them, but he performed, you know, their, their folk songs. Yeah, he is for sure like a folk song artist in the sense that he takes literally like years, years, years old folk songs and records them. Yeah. It's like, hey... Now we have the Pete Seeger version as like a, a solid version you can point at and say, that's what the song sounds like. <laughs> yeah, which is, I mean, interesting as a way of remembering things and remembering the history of things. But, uh, I mean, as we see with oral traditions and such, these things have a way of getting passed on anyway. Yeah. And then, like, really what Greensleeves is, more than it is... A song called Greensleeves is just that. Yeah. 
basically like two sections. Like, it's a pretty simple thing. There's kind of two sections which sort of repeat. Because there's that part. And then there's the like... Da, 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 and they both sort of end in the same way, too. So there's like a lot of repetition in there. And... Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's what I always associate with Greensleeves. In fact, I didn't know, like, I kind of had an idea that there were lyrics that got sung as Greensleeves, but to me, Greensleeves is the melody over the lyrics, which makes sense, because oh, yeah. like you were saying, there have been lots of different lyrics published for it. Yeah, even like the first version we're going to talk about today, the oldest version, doesn't use the original lyrics. Yeah, or at least doesn't use the ones recorded, like, if you look up Greensleeves lyrics. Yeah. Um, and I, I couldn't even barely understand those. We'll I could barely, that. I heard shit about fucking birds in May. I, I tried so hard to find it. I yeah, I, I, I re- recorded a few things. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get but, into that. Um, before yeah, we do that. It's a though. really interesting song. It's a really interesting song. Um, and probably like if I'm thinking of simple melodies, it's one of the first ones that comes up, you know, it's the sort of thing I'm like, oh, well, new instrument. We'll learn this. Yeah, and because it's like a lot of hold notes too, so it's it's at a very plodding pace. It's like you can learn it; it's recognizable, mm-hmm. and and you can play it at Christmas time. Come on, what else do you need? Yeah, do you know how to play this one, Alex? On some things, on some things, but not on other things. Yeah, well, it was one I learned to play on piano. I remember when I was starting to play again after a break. This was back in high school. I got like a simple Christmas songs book and I, I was like trying to decide which one I actually wanted to play. And the one I landed on was Greensleeves. Hell yeah. Yeah. Green Sleeves. Are you a fan of this song, Alex? Do you have a you enjoy this song? I do in a weird way. It feels strange to say because it's such an old thing. And like, I'm not like, oh, this is such a cool song. But I'm also like, enjoying it? Yeah, it's like... <laughs> It's comforting to know it's there. I'm not like, fuck yeah, green sleeves, but it comes on and I'm like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's got that like sense of either nostalgia or just familiarity. Like when you go to a foreign country and see McDonald's, you're like, okay, we're still on earth. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, it's an interesting tune. It's an interesting tune with lyrics that, I mean, maybe for the time we're like, fucking groundbreaking stuff brother but these days it's like yeah i've heard hundreds of other versions of this <laughs> yeah it's like a like an unrequited love song right yeah and like not too much more than that not too much more but hey let's get into it yeah uh green sleeves alas my love you do me wrong to cast me off discourteously for i have loved you well and long delighting in your company yeah, um, the one question I had about this was, like, is it a breakup song or is it a rejection song? Like, is he, like, when he says, I have loved you, is that, for like, from a distance? Ah, or is it upfront and personal? But I don't know if it matters that much. But it's definitely, I mean, at the end of the day, it's unrequited love, I guess. Oh, it I also think, says your yeah. vows you've broken, so. Yeah. You broke breakup songs. We talked about breakup songs. Yeah. But he's still into them. Like, uh, these eyes. Have we talked about these eyes on this show, yeah. right? <laughs> and you spoke it, yeah. you broke it, baby. Uh, yeah, because yeah. we talked about the Canadian invasion. 
That's right, the uh, Canadian invasion. <laughs> anyway, that was a, that was a while back. That was way back when. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's like, yeah, baby, love really hurts without you, is what he says here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, you've done me wrong. I think it has to have had some time because, yeah, like he mentioned the vows. He also says, Green Sleeves was all my joy. Green Sleeves was my delight. Green Sleeves was my heart of gold. And who but my lady, Green Sleeves? It seems to imply that there was some period of of togetherness. Yeah, of togetherness. It's all, So, I guess the Green Sleeves, there, there seems to be some... I don't know if it's actually debate or just several different ideas. Yeah, um, see, that's what I think. Sometimes people just ladder. say shit and then mm-hmm. there are people who actually know what they're talking about who are like, you made that up. Um, but uh, green sleeves often gets... It's said like, oh, the color green represents purity or maybe it represents that she's a prostitute or maybe it represents... Like I, we mentioned earlier, like having sex in the grass. So her yeah. like sleeves get stained green, right? And they're fucking out in the grass. Yeah, and that's in the like, grass. He's like, my joy and all this time was when we were we were boning in the woods in or the whatever. Woods. <laughs> uh, which is, I'm pretty sure, what the Jethro Tull song "Velvet Green" is about. Hey. Um. But anyway. Oh, but yeah, there was, and this. there's also you mentioned green is purity. Green was also apparently a color uh, representing lust. Way back yeah. in the day. So, I mean, that kind of stuff, like, is ambiguous and it changes from, like, group to group. So, it's like, who wrote it? Who put the lyrics to it? And who would have thought, oh, I got to put green in here so they know she's a whore. Like, yeah, <laughs> got to let them know she, she is a sex Or, like, was whoever wrote it just like, I like this one person. I saw them wearing green sleeves one time. I thought it was pretty cute. Like, yeah, that's also like a it classic. Could literally, just be that. It's yeah, it's just raspberry beret. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> except without the barn scene. Yeah, except yeah, they fuck outside instead of <laughs> yeah. in a barn. <laughs> um, yeah. So you just I, I, there's no definitive answer for these questions. It's, but it's yeah, but it's an affectionate name for a lover. Green sleeves. Yeah, it's interesting because yeah, it is like a nickname, but it also. Mm-hmm. It feels so singular, you know? I mean, you're not going to hear anyone called that except in this song. So it's interesting to think that it could have been a, a word that actually meant something, but now it's been completely taken over by the song. Yeah. It, you're right. It could have held like much stronger meaning than it does to us now where we can only guess and be like, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Yeah. It's the person. We know that. It's Lady Greensleeves. It's the northern, the new northern ditty of Lady Greensleeves. Of ye lady green sleeves, pardon me. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting to think about, like, you know, there are songs out there where literally the lyrics involve talking about being a hoe. That's, yes. that's the t- topic of the song. This could be that. Could be, but yeah. Written. But we lose the meaning. So it's interesting to think that those songs, we could remember them centuries from now, but not know what they're talking about. And, and make them Christmas songs. Uh, or, you know, what, whatever equivalent they would have. In right, centuries. I'm excited to see. Oh, I mean, I won't be around to see it, but, you know, hundreds of years from now. Which, which regular songs of ours become Christmas songs. Yeah, and, and the meaning changes completely. Anyway. Anyway. Very amusing. Uh, very amusing. Your vows you've broken, <laughs> like my heart. Oh, why did you so enrapture me? Now I remain in a world apart, but my heart remains in captivity. She left. 
his heart's still with her, and now he's got to live without her. Yeah, he's still in love with her, but but she doesn't return said feelings, and he's sad about it. I'm saying he for all of this, but I don't think that is actually ever said. I guess yeah, they. Yeah, they are. Yeah, could be anyone. Could be anyone. I, I guess I still am picturing King Henry VIII, even though I don't think he wrote this. <laughs> yeah. Although traditionally, yeah, weird because apparently he allegedly wrote it for like Anne Boleyn. Yeah, that's it's the, even referenced that's in an episode of The Office, apparently. So The maybe. Office and uh, and yes. the Tudors. Ah, the I Tudors. believe, or or some show about where Henry VIII is, you know, a period drama with Henry VIII in it, and he's right. like writing on a lute or whatever. Yeah, and he's like, oh, what child is this? And, <laughs> no, no, these lyrics won't do. <laughs> hmm, gotta talk about green sleeves. He's like, why am I talking about Jesus Christ? Uh, what um, else do we got in here? A chorus. We got a chorus. We already talked about the chorus. Yeah, we got another verse. Another I've been verse. ready at your hand to grant whatever you would crave. I have both wagered life and land, your love and goodwill for to have. Yeah, that's an awkward one. Garbage. Your sentence. love and goodwill for to have. What does that even mean? I mean, it means he wants your love and 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 positive thoughts. Yeah, and you. he's he's willing to give up his life and his his property for it. Yeah, like and land. That and land. I mean, especially if it's an old song. I don't know when these lyrics specifically were written, but like land, like that's basically all wealth and power. Yeah, <laughs> comes from land, right? Or like a lot of it. A lot of it. We still have land lords today, Alex. I mean, yeah. So, he's got, although, yeah, I wish it left, I guess it's a wealthy person. I don't really know what to make of that. Well, yeah, because he also has men when we come to two verses down here. But, yeah, so this is some wealthy dude. Perhaps King Henry VIII. Perhaps. Perhaps. Or, yeah, at least the subject of the song is a wealth, wealthy person. Yeah. So, but, yeah, this verse is like, I gave you everything and would give you whatever you need. Yeah. And I, I do it all and you, you still fucked off. What's, come on. It says, if you intend thus to, to disdain, it does more the more enrapture me. And even so, I still remain a lover in captivity. So he's he's into them. Oh, I'm saying he again. But it's got to be he, right? Because it's the 1500s and it's a person who has literally any power or wealth. Right? Yeah, I, I suppose you're right. Yeah. He's I got mean, men. I hate to generalize, but, you know, statistically speaking, it's pretty likely. Yeah. Um, if you intend thus to disdain, it does the more to the more enrapture me. So he's like, he likes that they're playing hard to get, but they're yeah, not. They're just like, rejecting him. Even as you pull away from me, it only makes me want you more. Again, this has been talked about tons of songs over yeah. the years. This is, and it's like it's. I never really thought of green sleeves in any lyrical context because I always thought of the the melody more than yeah, anything. Like, so oh, it's yeah, kind of weird to be like, oh, it's actually like a love song. Like a pretty basic love song at that. Yeah. It really um, is. He's just like, yeah. oh, I'm so in love with you. Please come back, baby. You're like, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Look, my men, they're clothed all in green and they did ever wait on thee. All this was gallant to be seen, yet thou wouldst not love me. We see green again. So I guess it's understandable that you would want to as- ascribe some meaning to the color green. Well, because she's green sleeves, right? She's green sleeves. He's also dressing his men in green. Yeah, in as as like a gesture to her. I guess so. Because like, they are... Men, 
my men are I your made men. them serve you. I serve you, my men serve me, and thus they serve you because they are now all clothed in green. Yeah, I buy that. That makes sense. I mean, more than just the idea of like green itself being a theme. My men were also or, or representative of the team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They did ever wait on me. <laughs> uh, but you're much better. Um, and I guess all this was gallant to be seen. Yeah, he's saying he did a very good job. <laughs> you should have seen. You should have seen all these green clothes. They were great. Was green was expensive? Maybe. Probably I any know. color that wasn't like brown or white. Yeah, probably probably a little more expensive. Was more expensive. I mean, it's not purple. As we all know, no. that's a very regal color. It's a very regal color. Uh, but anyway, that would's not love me. Very sad. Sad, sad. You hate to see it, folks. <laughs> um, thou couldst desire no earthly thing, but still thou hadst it readily. The music still to play and sing, and yet thou wouldst not love me. Oh, uh, so you want sad. for nothing with me, and even if you did want something. Yeah, you could have it yeah. easily. There's, so, uh, getting into the next uh, verse as well, is you're talking about, like, God and religion. And I believe, yeah. given the time frame, you know, it would be primarily a, a Christian perspective. Sure, So, yeah. I think the idea of presenting this person as not desiring earthly things would make them kind of, like, angelic or saint, like, mm. like closer to God. So, they're talking about, like, you're such a good person, you don't even care about physical possessions. Physical possessions. But, but, but I would give did. them to you if you wanted yeah. them. <laughs> like, I know you're better than that, but, like, you know, if you weren't. Yeah, and then what well, music cash. still to play and sing? He's like, you can still do your thing. Like, you had the freedom to, to sing and play music. Yeah, and, like, create, I guess. Yeah, I like, really... you have the space to do whatever it is that you do. And he's like, I, all this for you, and still, you don't love me for some reason. Yet thou wouldst not love me. And yet thou wouldst not love me. Well, I will pray to God on high that thou my constancy mayst see, and that yet once before I die, thou wilt vouchsafe to love me. Wilt vouchsafe to love me. Yeah, I always forget what vouchsafe means. That's one that comes up every once in a while. It's like an old-sounding word. Yeah, vouchsafe. I googled it, and it's just like, you know, kind of like swear, isn't it? It's like, oh, I will. Or like promise. Like admit yeah. Say, reveal something is true kind of thing. Yeah, so it's, that will that you love to me. love me. They reveal that you love me. It's, yeah. So he's, like, yeah, he's saying, I'm going to keep this shit up, and I'm going to pray to God that you will see how devoted I am to yeah. you, so that at least once before I die, you'll say, oh, I love you. He's appealing to the highest power. Mm-hmm. God on high. Yeah. God from Bible. God from Bible. Oh, man, I know that guy. I know that guy. Uh, and then we get a closer here. Our green sleeves, now farewell, adieu. To God I pray to prosper thee, for I am still thy lover true. Come once again and love me. At least, I mean, as much as, as uh, this guy's maybe a little pushy, just because of all the verses, at mm -hmm. least in the end he's like, all right, I'll leave you alone. But, like, I'm still here. Right. He's like, well, you know what? I love you. Go, go Goodbye. Adieu. So we know he speaks French like, as well. Have a nice so life. Oh yeah. A learned man. Language of love, baby. Language of love. He's like, I'm gonna keep praying to God for you. He's like, I'm not just praying for me. I'm praying for you. So I pray to God that you might see me doing good. I'm also gonna pray that you still have a good life because I'm I'm truly your lover. And so come on back, y'all, and love <laughs> me. Come on back, y'all. Come on back, y'all. <laughs> Doesn't rhyme with true. 
Or I mean the. Anyway, doesn't the. Oh, uh, I mean, but that's but, the song. Alex. Yeah. So, like we said, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, song about unrequited love. Continuously. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I give you just so much cool stuff. Yeah, he's like, look at how nice I am to you and how great life with me is. So, What's hopefully problem, one day honestly? you agree. Yeah. And God makes you see. That I'm pretty cool. That I'm a pretty cool guy. Pretty cool guy. And um, or person generally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about the lyrics. Said, <laughs> yeah, like we not, kind of went through them. They're not, like, like ge- yeah, I mean, that's the general thing. But, like, I, I don't see a lot deeper there unless there's something about, like, I don't want to make stuff up, you know? Because I'm like, no, oh, we're... Because there's the line of thy music still to play in song. I'm like, oh, was she like a performer who was maybe a lower class? And now Ooh. he's a rich guy? And is, this is like a, a, a cla- interclass romance? Right. But a also, lot of like, do assume uh, that she's a mistress of some kind. Yeah. So. Like, am I just making that up? Hey, I don't it know. Makes it a little saucier. You can do whatever is, you want. This is, was made in the 1500s. Does her having green sleeves imply that she's not wealthy in some way? Because nowadays, green is associated with wealth, but also they didn't have American currency back then. <laughs> so silver was How associated with How sad that with must wealth. have been. I know. They didn't have the sweet, sweet dollars. Pale, <sighs> pale sad existence for did they? Did people. they even have a proper grind set? Probably not. Do they know about the stock market yeah. at all? <laughs> oh, it's tragic to think about... <laughs> It is. Honestly, true. I think they did actually have something like the stock market. Um, yeah, probably. With you know, called gambling. Sh- it's existed for, <laughs> for thousands of years. <laughs> called gambling. Um, musically, musically, we talked about the melody a little bit. Um, yeah. I would say the thing that stands out to me about the melody, mm-hmm. both parts of the melody. Um, is that they both spend most of their time down low and sort of briefly pop up to higher places. So the first part starts low, and then builds up a bit, but then falls back down pretty quickly. Yeah, there's a big uh, this, emphasis on, like, descent. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that seems interesting to me in terms of the, the topic of the song because, I mean... <laughs> I'm always a little iffy about these sorts of interpretations, but it kind of checks out when you're like, oh, the higher part means positive and the lower part means less, but like, you know? Right. Because <laughs> um, it's weird. A little bit weird to associate, to make that association. And I don't know if it totally makes me feel that way. Um, but I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is the triumphant part and uh, where you're up high. And then when you drop down low, you feel like literally like low, like less happy. Um, and yeah, this song kind of... it up like that. The first up moment is when he goes, green sleeves are super great. Green sleeves, I love that shit. Like these, these remember the good times. Yeah, but then they sort of, it sort of drops down too. And I, like, yeah. what I was getting out of like, it has these moments of of triumph, but mm-hmm. uh, most of it is not that, 
which kind of checks out with the lyrics. about. Yeah. On a blurring like, sea of emotion. Exactly. Uh, but there's still, like, it still goes, and they still, like, go back to these moments. And I wonder if it's... The idea I was thinking of was, like, the there aren't very many of these moments, these high moments, but but it's still, like, worth chasing them. Right. And as he's in this sort of, like plea to this lover he is both in the present moment where he's sad that they are gone but he's also remembering yeah. the the good times they had so those, those brief upticks as he's like oh but yeah it's you're also leaving it's like remember all this cool shit remember my dudes in green and it's like oh but yeah you didn't like that and we go back down and it's like, remember this so oh. yeah that yeah, maybe so is that what i feel when i listen to the song i i don't know I feel like I'm watching a Christmas movie when I listen to this song. Yeah, I guess so. I, I will. I do think that that beginning of the B section does sound like very triumphant. Yeah, for sure. And then you kind of sit in that and go back. Yeah, it definitely has a higher high, whereas like the the verses are like they're like more more ghostly. Yeah. And they pop up, but only briefly. Briefly. Um, they pop up simply so they can come down more than anything. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just kind of make a triangle out of it. Yeah. So, yeah, I do like the beginning of that that B section, you know. Yeah. I like to hammer out those notes, even though I should probably be a little more subtle. Sometimes um, you just got to bang on the piano. That's. I think, truthfully, that's all you ever got to do, Alex. Bang on that piano. Bang on that piano. Bang we'll get piano. green sleeves from banging on the drums. piano let me tell you uh right hey, that's hey. We, yep you got it alex <laughs> alex so six more ballads followed this in less than a year um and they're all here's some titles for you we got ye lady green sleeves answer to donkin her friend what um <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. <laughs> I, don't I don't know what Duncan or friend is. But that's what it is. So, are these um, using the same? Are they just referencing Greensleeves, or are they I using the same so, melody? I think they are referencing. I don't. I don't know because I don't think these made it. I don't think they bridged the gap to to the present day. Okay, but they all like talk about this lady Greensleeves. Who's this lady Greensleeves. some sort of character? Greensleeves is worn away. Yellow sleeves come to decay. Black sleeves I hold in despite, but white sleeves is my delight. That's one uh, written in 1581. So yeah, they, they people really fucking love this shit. They like, had oh, response songs. Yeah, they so had response songs. There was something to this idea of a lady green sleeves, and, and I wish I understood that a little better. Yeah, I've never even seen a woman in green sleeves. I'm really, Although, uh, something I hear about is like archetypal characters that would be used like usually in reference to like Greek plays where right. it'd be like, Oh, everyone knows like, we're going to use this character who is always this way. And like, it doesn't matter who writes it. Everyone can use this character. And then when people come to see their play, they know, Oh, that's that guy. And he's right. like this. So these like archetypes. So uh, it's, it feels like she's some kind of archetype, but I don't know for what. Yeah, she could well be. We uh, yeah, archetypes carry on throughout tradition. Yeah, maybe less less direct, perhaps than like the Greek, where it's like it's right. that guy. I'm like oh, it's okay. that guy. But yeah, I think of the jokes. There's always those like jokes where it's like little Johnny is doing something at school, and he's he's a little stinker, isn't he? And here's the punchline. Right. Where he, yeah, little Johnny is just a just a sarcastic and or somehow rowdy 
Yeah, young boy. like a little yeah. child. Like we have that character stock for jokes we tell. Like maybe jokes your dad tells more likely, but you know, jokes nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Lady Green Sleeves could fall somewhere in that line. Of, That's what it feels like, especially if you have yeah. like green, like it being commented on. I mean, yeah, because ultimately, ultimately it's something. just like some woman you loved who is no longer loving you. Wait, yeah, easy. I guess in the context of the song, that's a pretty broad template to fill. Like, <laughs> it really is, isn't it? I mean, we talked about how many songs are just that, and yeah, yeah. But what we haven't talked about is all the very many different versions of this. Yeah, of which we're going to discuss all of them. No, there's, there's tons like and tons thousands. And tons. But we are going to discuss the Luton, the Luton, Luton I was Girls Choir, Vuitton, but I... Luton, the Louis Vuitton <laughs> Girls Choir, Louis Vuitton Girls Choir, and the Mella Crisso Orchestra. Yeah, in 1950. <laughs> So this is pretty old. This is obviously the oldest one because we go in chronological order. Um, But it's only 70 odd years old, Um, which is relatively recent compared to how old the song is, but also compared to how old recording technology is, it is old. Um, Girls Choir. They They were formed in the 30s. Yes. Um, allegedly to revive choral singing, which this guy, Arthur Davis, um, was considered considered to be a dying art, which is kind of right. funny because it's still around, but it's still not that popular. Not that popular. Yeah. It's founded and led by agricultural agent and church choir master Arthur Davies. Yeah. He started the this girls choir. And according to the information I read... Um, the girls would, would join at 12, and they had to leave if they were either got married or turned 23. <laughs> you couldn't be in if you were married? Yeah, apparently not. Can you imagine 12-year-old folks to join choir, and they're like, I gotta get married, like, now I'm sick of this. <laughs> gotta get out of this choir. Gotta get out of this fucking choir. I'm not turning 23 anytime soon. <laughs> Jeez. Um, that would suck being one of the 23-year-olds there, too, though. You're hanging out with all these 12-year-olds. and like, why aren't you married? You're like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Praise man. God. Do <laughs> you mind? Yeah. Um, yeah, they're British also. They're British. That? Yes. British. I think I incorrectly called them the Melacriso Orchestra. It's the Melacrino Orchestra. Melacrino. Yeah, I didn't look up. I forgot to look up those guys. Um, it's an old orchestra is. founded by George Melacrino, and they're associated okay. with lush string arrangements. Yeah, this has got some strings in it. It seems like definitely see them live if you want the actual thing, but you can't because I'm you sure I'm most people involved with this are dead. Um, I'm trying to think the of what choir the choir uh, disbanded in 1977. So. Yeah, when the when uh, Arthur, I'm calling him Arthur Davis, but it's like Davies. Yeah, it is Davies. And, and, like, I've heard that pronounced as Davis, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Okay. Because um, British names are weird sometimes. Yeah, of course they are. I just think of, like, Davy, who's still in the Navy and probably will be for life. If yeah. There's multiple of him. Like, supposedly, Davies. like, Ray Davies. Right, from the Kinks. From the Kinks. Apparently, he's pronounced as Davis. That's what I've Jesus, heard. Jesus, Ray Davis. Yeah. 
These British people just think they can get away with anything. Just get away with anything. Uh, the language. <laughs> Shut up. It doesn't work that way. Hey, hey. But we use it. Uh, obviously, you don't properly. Um, anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. He died. So, yeah, he died. And they were like, oh, yeah, we won't do this choir anymore. So they disbanded in the 70s. They're like, what a relief. <laughs> we're done with this shit. Um. Yeah, but so this is an old recording, and it really yeah, so it sounds, yeah, it sounds like, like, it's like old it. Rinky-dink recording. It's got um, that level of quality to it. It's all yeah. treble, no bass. Yeah, all treble, no bass. Like uh, one microphone, probably everything yeah. single track. So like, it all kind of blends together. Like you yeah. have the the girls in the choir, and they. I mean, they're trying to harmonize, and they are. Um, but like, and you've also got the orchestra and there's strings and there's some horns and like it all blends and yeah, especially really because is... of, you know, the more compressed frequency range. Yeah. Everything sounds like you're hearing it from the church over. Like it's not in your church. You're... Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it is like really the instruments are there to support and kind of punch up parts of the vocals. Mm hmm. See, so like when it hits the the, da, 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 the start of the B section, it's like they punch those first two notes. And you're like, wow. Yeah, the strings are also following the melody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, they do have some interesting sounding harmonies, but it's really hard to actually like make them out. Right. Um, and they got some like different sections where they try different things. There's a bit where they like do more different harmonies. Um, there's a bit where some woodwinds come in and kind of break the song up. Yeah. Um, you get like the one twenty minute mark where they do like, maybe that's the more harmonies you're talking about. Or it's like, yeah. Doing different parts. Yeah. This kind of, uh, yeah, I think that's the part the vocals come back that's after like the woodwinds and then yeah and then it feels like there's like a lead and a harmony part that are kind of more separate yeah but yeah you get some get some big harmonies uh, and, and they then, come back for a big hard outro they got like they, they do another green sleeves yeah some really like intense stuff yeah for a bit for there a, a choir yeah <laughs> you get the like bum 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 yeah and then some kind but, of little like, yeah, descending across the room. instrumental at the end there. This <laughs> yeah. Um, the lyrics. The yeah. lyrics they sing, I, I wasn't sure what they were. They're different, clearly. I got like yeah. four in the beautiful month of May when the birds yep. sang clear at the break of day. The sun was bright and the clouds away. And the dew on the was like silver legs. Silver legs? Silver legs. That doesn't sound right. But Silver anyway, legs. that's where I stopped. But that's, that's what I got. That's I got. I got like the birds in May and I was like, I'm sick of this. I tried yeah. to Google it, couldn't find anything. I said, I'm done. So it doesn't sound like a Christmas song at all here. But Green Sleeves was, itself was never really a Christmas yeah, song. Yeah, lyrically it doesn't sound like a Christmas song. But having a choir sing a melody that I know to be a Christmas song I'm sounds like, like yeah. a Christmas song. What's also fun about this version is, at least before probably 20 years ago, this is probably how most people heard this song, was like a choir singing it. Right. 
but uh, in person, you know? Yeah, because they're like, oh, we're going to the choir recital because that's what we do at yeah. Christmas time. Although, I, I say 20 years ago. I don't know if that's true, but definitely, you know, at the time. Yeah, 2002 specifically. That was maybe 40 years ago. But, um, yeah, it's interesting to think that, like, there's probably so many versions that were very, very similar to this, but they're just live, so. Yeah. They didn't get recorded. And they're old. They are old. Another old version, Alex, but a much different version, a jazzier version. The other Christmas tradition, yeah. jazz. Jazz. Uh, the John Coltrane Quartet in 1961. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, interesting you say that. The other Christmas, tra- call it a Christmas tradition. Um, yeah. Jazz. I almost wonder if they just share influence. Because mm. often we talk about how like old, like Tin Pan Alley songs. Uh, oh, the Great American Songbook. The, uh, yeah, Great American Songbook stuff gets used in two ways. One for jazz version, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's standards. Uh, get are you know based off of that stuff, and also. Right. Oh, we've talked about this in years past about how a big part of Christmas music is nostalgia Um, and that just the idea of something sounding like Christmas eventually becomes nostalgic in itself. But that itself comes from also like Tin Pan Alley sounds. So it's more like common ancestry. Right. And you bring it back together. Then the other half of that is, of course, everybody does Christmas music, so then... You get- True, everybody does Christmas music, including the John Coltrane Quartet. Including the John Coltrane. So you get jazz music, sure, it maybe has a similar root, but then you're also just applying it to this other thing that comes from the same root, and it's like, yeah. well, that's... All right. That's jazz, baby. <laughs> that is jazz, baby. Um, um, this, this is, is about the- as jazz as jazz gets. Yeah, as far as, like, in my mind, yeah. Like, yeah, this is what jazz is. This is deep winter jazz. Um, it's yeah. also a shortened version. There's like a 10-minute long version that I, That's I right. didn't want to listen version. to. Didn't want to put on here. And I can understand exactly what that 10-minute version would be from this, because this is really just like reference the melody of Greensleeves a bit, yep. and then just blast then solos. Then do a solo. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I feel like there's even a point, and I forgot to write it down, but like there's a point where it sounds like there's an edit, and like, oh, that's probably where they cut it. Like, they right. cut, like, seven minutes of soloing right there. Right there. And then jump to the end. That makes sense. Uh, <laughs> um, briefly, John Coltrane, American jazz saxophonist, yeah, right, band leader, right, right. composer. This is his quartet. Yeah, suppo- apparently no- known for uh, playing saxophone, like, high up on a tenor sax. Like, higher mm. than you would typically You know sit. who could get some, some notes, who could learn some from John Coltrane, is old uh, Rich Pretzel and the Groove and Hire gang. From from the old the uh, the Carry On episode, I think it was Rich Wetzel was his name. Yeah, I remember him. <laughs> yeah, probably because uh, we know he likes to play high up on the sax. Sure, fucking does. Um, but yeah, I mean it's a quartet, right? It's a jazz quartet. We got drums, yeah. we got bass, we got sax, we got piano. Love the tone on that bass off the start there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, jazz nice, nice woody sound. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, it kind of, like, there's an intro, and they kind of establish the chords, um, and it doesn't really sound like Greensleeves much at all at that point. Yeah. Um, 
I think a lot of jazz is like reharmonizing things. So like mm-hmm. you play the chords and it's like that's not what it sounds like, but then they play the melody and it's like okay, I kind of I kind of see. Like, oh, I, I see. see. Um, it's about the notes you're not playing. <laughs> huh, yeah. But what notes jazz. aren't you playing? A lot of them. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> And yeah, then that, it, that sax comes in and like you're it's like, kind of taking oh, turns, right? Yeah. Like sax comes in, like you said, it, it plays the melody, and then oh, it's it's altered as well. Uh, yes. The way they do the melody, it's very um, like they do a lot of swinging. A lot of these versions will like swing the melody, yeah, and they all do it a little differently. Um, it turns out a melody from the 1500s is pretty stiff. <laughs> yeah, can definitely feel pretty stiff, especially. In a, like a jazz or, or really any context, like yeah, um, yeah, anything more modern than you know lute music. Yeah. Um, uh, the one thing I've noticed right at the end of of the A section that that part is particularly fast, like mm-hmm. more so than the rest of it. You know, yeah, and yeah just yeah. the end of very fast. Well, because yeah, they kind of like. As soon as Drop they start down. ending segments, they just start really cutting loose. Like the drums start to just fucking roll. They really do go wild. And it kind of has those two halves. Like there's, it's like rough and smooth. Like they'll play the melody. And then when they start to go wild and solo, then yeah, the drums pick up and everything feels a little more hectic. But like it's still focused on, on whatever is soloing. Yeah, it's almost like a refined version of punk rock where it's like they're playing the song, but they what they really want to do is be playing solos. Right. Like in punk rock, you would just like sarcastically play the melody and then just make fucking just, just do whatever noise. you want. Yeah. When, but these guys are like, well, we're gonna do it beautifully and then we're gonna just kind of cut loose in a jazz way. Yeah. We we'll pull you in with something you know, and then we'll do our own thing. Because that's what we're interested in. Yeah. Um, good solos here too. You got a nice piano solo. It's yeah, to, uh, it's it's all good. <laughs> I feel feel like this is how I describe all piano solos. I'm like, oh yes, this one has fast runs and trills in it. It does have those. Yes. Um, lots of it really bangs out some of those chords. Uh, lots of intensity build in that uh, in that piano section. Yeah, and then and the way it, it works with this this what should be quite cacophonous drums. Like the balance between them is very solid. So the fact that they're able to to land this plane, so to speak, to to have something that doesn't sound punk rock but indeed sounds like jazz is quite impressive, I think. Yeah, the drums do they keep it down. They don't go too well. Yeah, they hold it down despite being they hold just it down and they keep cutting it down. loose, you know? Yeah. So cool. But cool. yeah, this is like I think if you played this for your grandma, she would be upset. Like, I think it's too rowdy for your grandma, but I think for most people, you could chuck this on at a Christmas party or whatever, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, it's green sleeves with a bit of a bit of seasoning on top, you know? Yeah. A little bit of that jazz. A little bit and of that I jazz. And I do like that uh, kind of oscillation between the rough and the smooth. Yeah, I think it, it livens the song up enough, and it makes you appreciate the smoothness of that sax when it hits the, the melody line again. Yeah. The one thing about this... It's not really a problem, just something I notice. But to me, it doesn't sound inherently Christmassy, other than it's an old style of recording that I generally associate more with Christmas songs because those are the songs I hear yeah. in this style. This is when we talked about um, God Save the King. Mm-hmm. There was that version done by the guys just like live in a bar. 
and they <laughs> right. it's it just kind of like cacophonous in that this isn't quite that but it leans in that direction where they're just like we really just want to kind of go ham on some solos rather than be playing green sleeves right right that makes sense yeah so i think even though you have the melody there like that's when it sounds like it that's when it sounds like a christmas song is briefly when that sax is playing the melody of green sleeves all other times it just sounds like a jazz performance in winter (laughs) right (laughs) yeah but that's jazz baby that's jazz baby Uh, what is distinctly not jazz is our next uh, I was going to say contestant, like this is a game show. Next up on Cover Me, it's Pete Seeger. Pete Seeger, 1963. Come and take the stand, Pete. Uh, hey. So, Pete, where are you from? Oh, I'm from uh, America. I didn't bother looking up. America. Uh, hey, I'm from America. Pete, Seeger. Pete Seeger's from America. Yep. He's from New York City. Uh, okay. Hey, folksy man from New York City. Uh, he's uh, He was a member of the Weavers. He's an American folk singer, social activist. Bunch of hit songs. Um, famous, of course, to you and me for the Seeger sessions. Yep. Where Bruce Springsteen covers Pete Seeger songs, which, as we've mentioned before, are folk are songs, folk songs. Of, of yesteryear. Songs that he was famous for recording, but also, like, it, he wasn't like, hey, I wrote these songs. Or, you yes, know, he, I'm Pete Seeger, and I wrote this he song. He recorded Americana, like, folk songs. Yes. This, um, not Americana. Yeah. No. Folk song, though. Folk song, first. The folk vibe on this, unreal. This, is this live? It is live. This is the insane part. So it's like, this is very short. It's a two-minute version. Yeah. And it's predominantly him doing like fucking flutes. Yeah, just playing like some kind of pipe or flute or I don't know. It, like, it, like it sounds like fucking Zamfir. It sounds like a pan flute or something. You say Zamfir? Yeah, Zamfir. You know, um, he does the one that's in Kill Bill. Oh. I see him playing a pan flute. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know that name. Anyway. I have that album on vinyl, so, you know. Sweet. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shout out to Ruby, who got me that for my birthday, I think, one year. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's a banger track. The rest is, like, is fine. It's about what you would expect from Zamfir, but... Sure. Pan flute You know, stuff. it's pan flute shit. But, no, he, so he busts out this flute, and then you get this, like, folksy, like, humming choir in doing the melody. And yeah. And I think that is the audience. That's kind of what I was trying to figure out, was... It, does he have a choir? Because it sounds I like the audience that. joins in. Which makes um, this a folk performance of of just like true folk yeah. proportions. So and it's, it's very incredible. cool. It's very cool. Like the way it's structured, like because he plays the melody mm-hmm. and we all know the melody, it's Greensleeves. And then as people join in, he starts to kind of branch out and play other things. Yes. That aren't like the melody, but they keep going. And like it's, it's just kind of cool. You know, uh, and like you can hear more and more people join in is what it sounds like. Yes. Yeah. Because it like it does swell. Yeah. But the only way for that to happen is for more people to join in for them to sync up their their notes and like harmonize. Yeah. And like you could do that with a large group on stage, but it really has regardless of what actually happened. It really has the feeling of people are joining in with him and humming yes. along. And it's very cool. It's, it's very cool. The The flute playing is excellent. It has a very reverent feeling to it. It feels 
I was like, yeah, Pete Seeger will see what he's fucking got. This I find to be incredible. Yeah, I was really impressed by just like the vibe it creates. And yeah. like the the images it evokes of a performance of like one person playing the flute and just everyone really getting into it. Mm-hmm. And sounding and, in a very traditional sense, like folk yeah, music. Yeah, in a way that's not like crazy party rock and roll electronica whatever that we would associate you know going wild for music yeah it's not like folk and it's not like folk describing a different genre like this is folk music yeah wherein he's got an audience of common people to to hum quite perfectly to just be a part of this traditional song as he plays flute over it very much a historical thing yeah um phenomenal version yeah very cool i don't really have a lot else to say cool sound um, but you want to talk about the flip of that, which is yeah, pop really. and kind of fun. We got Russ Conway in 1971. Yeah, Russ Conway. So Russ Conway is a popular music composer and pianist. He's uh, he's English. Yes. Um, this is also it's you know it's still the seventies, so you can have number one hits with like primarily instrumental piano tracks. Right. Um, I looked up his two number one hits. I, I don't recognize them. They're called Side Saddle and Roulette. Okay. Uh, they're. I mean, they're also instrumental. He's kind of this pretty good piano player. Another thing uh, I read that is a little factoid is uh, he never learned to read sheet music. So he's like got these piano pieces, but he couldn't like write them down. So a lot of the modern versions have like mistakes and are missing stuff. Amazing. Um, yeah, he's, he's quite a skilled player. It's very rich uh, piano work Yeah, very this. busy. I mean, I'm getting some... Uh, reminded me of Someone who I'm actually familiar with, but is, you know, more modern, Pete, Pete Bentz. Pete Bentz, yeah, for sure. Because of a lot of the ornamentation on there. Yeah, backed up, of course, by a full band. But yeah, yeah. definitely you get a lot of that instrument, that, uh, yeah, ornamentation, rather. Um, Yeah, this version, not Pete Seeger at all, but very fun, very lively, quite bright. Yes, also does some swinging of the... Bum, bum, dun, dun, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Um, of course, very heavy emphasis on the melody um, on the on the piano. Uh, mm-hmm. Particularly, oh, I guess the important part about the emphasis on the melody is that he's playing a lot of notes in between the melody notes. Um, yes, but like you really feel the melody, but then he's still playing a bunch of other notes. So. Yeah, cause instead of it being like it's like so it's like all in yeah. there, but yeah. <laughs> he's doing quite a bit more. <laughs> Yeah, although he does kind of back and forth. I mean, we talked about rough and smooth on mm-hmm. John Coltrane Quartet. I don't know if I call this rough and smooth, but A section is much more simple, and then he really gets in a lot of that ornamentation on the Yeah, almost like the difference between like a straight beam of light and then diffusing that beam of light, right? Oh, that there's so it's another like narrow and then broad because he's hitting more notes in some sections than others, yeah. but still that same through line. Yeah. So yeah, it's very very piano focused. Of course, there's some uh, like guitar. There's chords. a rhythm guitar. Yeah. The drums there's... are pretty active. Like there's there's yes. quite a rhythm on this one. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's quite bright and poppy. Like it is a mm-hmm. pop delivery of this, despite being fully instrumental, no lyrics. There's also an organ. 
Yes. And I always like it when there's like a little bit of organ and it's just like plays that like really growly like starting to organ starting to play. But like there's not much more than that. Yeah, it is quite low and it is uh in the back of the track really. So it's it just kind of flavors it slightly. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean it was 71 so. Yeah. Makes sense. Pop music in 71. <laughs> but yeah, it's got a good pace to it. You got a bass line that just kind of runs along with the melody. It's not doing anything except filling out the space really. But I mean, the rhythm on this is quite, yeah. like we said, quite active. So, and the quite driving. Part of that, so very it lively. definitely gives it a much different feel. Makes it feel more danceable, or not mm-hmm. even like a we're in a field with weird, you know, woolen clothes because it's no fifteen hundreds kind of way. We're fucking on the piano in this one for sure, not in the grass. <laughs> well, we're on the piano. <laughs> um, yeah, but it really cooks. It it does um, reminds me a bit. Uh, of some of those really dense like ragtime songs you can you can get yeah, absolutely. that don't necessarily feel super fast per se but like they're playing so many notes anyway mm-hmm. um it's not really in that style but but there are some similarities yeah no i i agree um and then i would compare it a bit to the john coltrane version in the sense that yeah it like swings it up a bit um, for sure yeah and like just makes it like cook a bit more uh, it feels a little more consistent and i guess poppy because that's what it is yeah. compared to like the jazz version but. for sure and it hugs much closer to it says rather than like doing the melody and then jumping away from that we're gonna do the melody and then broaden it through just tons yeah. of piano notes. and then do the melody again yeah kind of the same way Actually, what's in they have like a drum fill to break up those repetitions of the melody, mm-hmm. and then they just play it at the end again, and it's like, what's going to happen? And it's just yeah, up. I checked to see if it was going to fade into the next track on this album, "Fool on the Hill." Uh, it does not. Is that a Beatles cover? I believe so. Wait, is seventy one? Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. Possible. Oh yeah, it's a version of "My Way" too. Oh, I did it my way. Um, yeah, that's a song as well, Alex. Um, you know who did it the original way, though? Olivia Newton-John in 1976. Unless my love you do me wrong To cast me off discourteously And I have loved you all Olivia Newton-John. Yes, now we finally have a version. Four covers in. Five covers in, because we <laughs> don't actually... There's in. no original. Because <laughs> there's no original. Um... And it actually has the lyrics we talked about at the beginning of the episode. Yes. <laughs> uh, and actually, I mean, this is spoilers, but uh, it's going to be the only one all episode. That is that true, yes. That has these lyrics. Olivia Newton-John. We talked about her not that long ago. We talked about Hopelessly Devoted to You because she passed away uh, yeah. over the summer, I Over believe. the summer, yeah. Um. We do and a classic September theme, Rest in Peace September. Rest in Peace September, yes. Death Chamber. <laughs> Death Chamber. Um, and this is, this one has a bit like stylistically, I would say there are some similarities more to Pete Seeger than anything, but that's not really Pete Seeger. That's like English folk music. Yeah, she's drawing on like different yeah. English folk music ideas. So you get this like probably a harp doing that arpeggio at the beginning. This I, I think there I don't remember which is where. I think there is a guitar there's playing a guitar arpeggios, and there's a harp, but also yes. a harp. Yeah, and maybe a mandolin. Later. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. But like, it's those sorts of instruments that you would use to evoke an English folk music sound, mm-hmm. which is probably more like the modern English folk music sound. But also, that's what we use. So that's it, yeah, it and it, it, it's yeah, it's like we think of that when we hear that sound. So yeah. even if it's not accurate, it's what our brain thinks is is the right thing. Yeah. And we exactly. get like a men's choir on here as well is the other big part. This yeah. Which, I mean, as we know, qu- choir music is old-fashioned. Exactly. <laughs> Going out of style. That's right. Um, this is also from 2000? It's from 2000? I probably got... No, I have the wrong year. It's not from 2000. Is I it from the... Co- I got... I grabbed it from Secondhand Songs saying it's 1976. No, yeah, that's right. I wrote down the wrong year. And that's... This album, Come On Over, is 1976 as well. I don't know Spotify. why I wrote down 2000, because it doesn't say that anywhere. I've, I, yeah. I just wrote down the wrong... Just think about number. the year 2000. Just think about the new millennium. Yeah. The new willennium, as we all, we all know. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um... So that's the style of the song. And there's some pipes as well. Pipe sounds. Um, Olivia Newton-John, of course, singing. She sounds very nice. She's quite a strong singer. Yes. Um, But, you know, it's it's somewhat of an understated performance. Yeah. She's just singing green sleeves. Pretty much, yeah. It's very traditional in that sense. But she's not like doing a bunch of fancy stuff or anything no yeah it's not there's no swing on this she's not like doing a popped up performance of it it is very uh it's a it's a one woman choir almost it's like we're following the melody exactly you're just hearing the beautiful dulcet tones of olivia newton john rather than the lutton girl choir or whoever (laughs) the other i mean it's not also not done as a christmas song like it's not a christmas Mm -hmm. album no. And it would be weird to throw a random Christmas song, I think, on your album of Are they all covers? There's definitely a few covers on this. Okay. I don't know if they're all covers. I don't Maybe recognize Jolene, most of these songs. I I recognize Jolene and Green Sleeves. Yeah. Um anyway. The long um, and winding road, probably oh, not an didn't original. Didn't see that? <laughs> yeah, just at the end there. All right. So there's definitely some covers on here. Yeah, it's a uh, weird choice regardless, yeah. though, because at this point, Green Sleeves is established as a Christmas song. The 19th it is. century has come and gone. Yeah. So, like, we know that this is a Christmas song. Yeah, so it's a, it's, a, it's a little strange. But they're definitely going for, like, the English folk, yeah. folk music feel. Although, that said, this one feels a little more like, like court music in the yeah. sense that it like they have a harp and they have like lots of instruments as compared to the Pete Seeger version where it's like we've got a pipe and a crowd. Yeah. Um so yeah, yeah this Pete one Seeger's feels a little is, more high class. Yeah, like Pete Seeger's is folk by definition of like the word folk and like Olivia Newton-John's is folk by definition of like the genre like Yeah, of like included. a marketing genre of Yeah. Of pop music. Um, what else goes on? They have a, there's a non-lyrical section in here. Yes. Um, Some where ums and oohs. Yeah. Where she... She doesn't even hum, like, the melody. She hums yeah, a melody. Like and then a there's melody. a... Oh, oh. Yeah, and she, so yeah, it's just like a, a and then vocal she gets into bridge. the melody, but there's something else in there. Yeah, um, and she goes from there to like a like a breakdown <laughs> verse where it's just her. 
That sounds very nice. Yes, the acapella. Yeah. Which I guess it's it was acapella. Well, it wasn't acapella before, but it was. No, it's, there's just not a lot of instrumentation otherwise. But then, but yeah, then everything the comes back. Vocals, in. and we get just her. Yeah, then it all yeah. sweeps back in. What's a bit weird is the outro mm-hmm. here because there's like yeah. she does that bit where like things kind of come back in, but it's still like understated and slow, right? Um, or like she and then she does another green sleeves chorus, right, with everything, and then that feels like the end. But there's still 45 seconds left in the song. Yeah. And like, she just kind of sort of sings the melody and it feels very like dreamy. And mm-hmm. then it just kind of fades out. So it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting outro. Cause yeah, she does the pop like gratuitous, like, oh, now the flute's in and everything's big, as yeah. big as it can get in this context. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we get this sort of just like vocal outro. She's kind of like humming. Riffing yeah. on the melody, maybe. Riffing on the melody, you get that. Oh, I think it's a harp at that point. Harping out the melody, you get the dudes kind of backing her a bit. Yeah, just a, sounds sounds harpy. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a traditional version done by a pop singer. So it's got a little, it's got a little bit of something for everyone. <laughs> yeah, a little something for everyone. For everyone. Uh, yeah, it's not bad. It's not blowing me away, but it's like it's solidly built. It sounds good. You could put it on at Christmas time, confuse some people. Confuse some people? Yeah, ah, let me put this on my Christmas playlist. What might confuse people a little bit more, though, is if you put on the premier landlocked Midwestern surf, surf group of the 60s, the Trash Oh, Men. yeah. Now this one in 1990. 1990, yeah. These are the guys who did Surfing Bird. Surfing Bird. Um, but this is also years after that. But it's still oh, surf bird, rock. The bird is the word. Yeah, it sure is. For people who don't know it by its original title, Surfing Bird. Yeah. Burr, 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 burr. Bird is the word. Yeah, that's these guys. Um, but this is an instrumental version of of Green Sleeves, but it's surf rock. Yeah, that's essentially it in a nutshell. So we get a big hype up intro. Yeah, it's the whole like drum roll thing. Like it's very surf rock. Yeah, and the rising guitar. Just needs like a, a scream, like a ah! like that other like surf a rock white, song. Wipeout, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really. Um, oh man, I was peeking that mic for a second there. Peek. I don't know what I did. Um. So once again, the swing it a bit because you got to swing it a bit. Um, yes. And yeah, it's very, very surf rock sound. Like they got this really like low guitar sound. And it sounds like surf rock. Uh, it and it is surf rock. I and think. it is surf rock. Um, and they do like the fast strum. So like you know, strumming yeah. the the melody out where they just instead of holding strum a bunch um there's a few moments where like they do some really good bends um i think yeah the tone rocks on especially this. I mean, yeah that like that rock. low like dull guitar sound just sounds really cool doing whatever yeah buddy um, um very open drums too it's a lot of like open cymbals and hi-hat yeah it sounds like for a 1990 
recording. It sounds very old fashioned. Yeah, which, I'm, I mean, I'm imagining just, that this was yeah. recorded earlier and then released in 1990. You know what? That makes more sense. Because there's no way your drums sound like this if you're using what would at the time be modern recording equipment. Unless you were like specifically trying. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know what? That yeah. makes sense. This is a compilation for sure. There's no way these guys did this in 1990. Although it says 19... 19- yeah, okay. Yeah. Sometimes if you release it later. Sometimes you release it, yeah. they count that as the date. You count know, these, these things. And I don't think the trash men were cared about that much beyond their hit Surf and Bird. Surf and Bird, which... I think it's just mostly considered annoying by many. Like, that's the context I've heard it spoken of. Yeah, it's, in. it's like a joke song. It's a joke. Yeah. Is this how you wanted to be remembered? The Trashman is a, a joke? fucking joke? <laughs> um, I wonder. Do you think it was meant to be a novelty song? Um, no, maybe it was. These guys seem like they have a bit of a punk rock edge to them. So maybe they were just kind of fucking, you know, getting it out there. Putting it on wax. Yeah, maybe. Just getting some vibes on wax. Yeah. And they did, but that was... Um, There's also the Trash Men. When it yeah, said it was 1990 and it was the Trash Men, I was like, These, that could very well be a 90s grunge it sounds band. Like, it sounds like it could be, right? Was, but it's not. It's a 60s surf rock band from the Midwest. They didn't even know what water is out there. <laughs> they couldn't surf. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. I was, the end sounds like they're just going into a different song entirely. Yeah. And, but it just fades out. Some fades weird out. fade outs in, in the last two versions. Yeah. Yeah, there is. But we're going to fade in to what is not a weird version, except perhaps sure. for its name. Uh, Jethro Tull in Jethro Tull Christmas album. So, Jethro Tull, we talked about Jethro Tull. Yes. We talked Jethro about Locomotive Tull. Breath. Breath, yeah. Um, a while back. Um, we don't get a lot of chances to discuss them because it, like, I mean, there's a fair, you know, some Jethro Tull songs have covers, but like not that many, and they're often very long. Yeah. Like, and even they don't do a lot of Breath covers. was like a reach. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the Jethro Tull Christmas album has a ton of covers. It has a ton of, well, it has a ton of, like, several Christmas songs that are, like, altered a bit. They they even changed the names. This is actually called Green Sleeved. Yes. Um, and then there's some other classic Christmas songs that they've altered the names a bit. They're, they have God Rest Ye Merry Gentle Man. That's singular. Right. Singular. Which is common. Uh, we Five Kings um, yeah. on this album. So they, yeah, they changed the names for kind of making it their own bro yeah man making it their own um and then the other songs on the album are a combination of i believe there's a few of them are original songs and a few of them are re-recorded versions of just other jethro tall songs that oh yeah like like like, like bure like yeah they've got bure in there they've got i think even a Christmas song is actually off of the first Jethro Tull album. Okay. Um, which is kind of funny. Uh, and like Weathercock, which is Weathercock. a fun one to say. Ring out Solstice Bells. Yeah. So there's like, and then some new stuff. Like I'm pretty sure like Birthday Card at Christmas is new, but I could be wrong about that. Could be wrong. What about Jack Frost and the Hooded Crow? Um, I, I've actually heard another version of that, I think. Mm. So I don't know what that's off of it. Jack Frost and the Hooded Crow. So yeah, this is like... That's a fun one. 
Oh, apparently it's off of the broadsword and the beast. Or is it the beast and the broadsword? The B and the B, either way. Air B and B, air beast and oh, broadsword. Broadsword and the beast. Yeah. Huh. Anyway. Um, so yeah, a lot of them are earlier songs. Sick. Good for Jeff Rotol. What's going on? So yeah, I've just described this album, which I really like. Um, yes, I could tell, Alex. <laughs> How could you not? And I've listened to a lot. But what is this? What is this version? Hey, guess what? They take the melody of Green Sleeves and they swing it a bit. They swing it on that flute, baby. <laughs> yeah, so I've listened to this one a lot. Yeah. Um, rocks. Quite recognizable as Green Sleeves. Um, but yeah, uh, like you said, primarily on the flute, at least at first. And then, like, the guitar. To, or piano takes over at one point. Piana, yeah. Piana, yeah. Uh, and but they do kind of do solos as well. So yes. like, there's some. It's um, I wouldn't call it jazz, but there's something there that makes it feel like that a little bit. Yeah, that is jazz influenced, right? And that, like, there's some some surface jazz, I think. Surface jazz, which was made me go like, oh yeah, and jazz is Christmas music, so it's, yeah. It's, it's all connected because yeah. it's like oh we'll do flute solo do an electric guitar yeah then piano we'll electric guitar. then there's even like a bass section which is really more of a transition but like it plays on its own but yeah it still like, gets his own little highlight so yeah it is similar really to john coltrane in that sense except instead of being jazz it's like folk rock yeah but it's I mean, I, I obviously really like this one. So. Oh, it rocks. I think Ian Anderson plays yeah. some great flute on this and really like improvises around the melody. It's like yeah. when you're hearing his flute going, you're like, oh yeah, this is just a, a jacked up version of Green Sleeves. Yeah. The other thing about this one is they don't do the back, like the B section. Yeah, it's just straight up that A section. That never happens. They just... Maybe they can rock and roll that part enough. melody. They're just like, listen, it's, we got a good thing going with part A. I wonder, <laughs> yeah, like, what would you do to that? Like, it fe- seems like it. I don't know. There's something about the the jump up that is distinctive, maybe, or something like that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I know this. It's a good song. Good version. It will be playing on my Christmas playlist this year. Oh yeah. It's on my Christmas playlist. Tell you that. It's on the Christmas playlist. For sure. For sure. Yeah, you get a breakdown. You get to build back up in those last 40 seconds. Um, Yeah, everything really builds up to that one high part. And then that's the end of the song, which is usually a... Maybe I shouldn't say usually, but often a good thing to do. Like, oh, we get excited. Now we're done. That's, you know, done. Moving on to the next now. Which, in this case, the next track is... Fire at Midnight. Oh, hey, I like that. <laughs> no, the next track is What Child Is This? By oh. Sarah McLaughlin in 2006. What child is this? Brackets, green sleeves. Brackets, apparently. green sleeves. Uh, yeah, this is Sarah McLaughlin. Um, I alluded to this earlier, but this is one of the albums that would play around my house. At right, so you're time. familiar with this. So I'm familiar with this. Um, 
the one I singer songwriter Sarah McLaughlin. The one I remember off of this a lot is she has a cover of River, which is a Joni Mitchell song mm. uh, on here. Um, yeah, lots of familiar stuff to me. So there's definitely I got some nostalgia for this just because it you know reminds me of post 2006 Christmases, which is my early life. Mm-hmm. So the lyrics for. Uh... For what child is yeah, this? Yeah, for what child is this? Let's uh let's see here. Um Oh yeah. If anyone doesn't know, the child is Jesus. It's Jesus. Well, it's I think Alex, you might have on. said that earlier. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems anthems sweet while shepherds watch our keeping. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him loud. Loud. The babe loud. the son of Mary. I think it's just loud. Yeah, Laud. The babe, the son of Mary. Why lies he in such mean estate where ox and ass are feeding? (laughs) Ass. Good Christian fear for sinners here. The silent word is pleading. So bring him incense, golden myrrh. Come peasant king to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Enthrone him. Yeah, so this is probably why this song is considered a Christmas song. Yeah, yeah, like you say that, but like most versions are not called What Child Is This? No, but like where did it pick up the association? Maybe maybe somewhere else, but like this is the version of it that specifically references the story of like the birth of Jesus. Yeah. You are right there, and it is in the same century that they credit this coming into light as a Christmas song, so that is another like mark and this being the version that did it, but I just it's inconclusive to me. Yeah, maybe not. I'm just assuming, and I don't really know. But in terms of the subject matter, of all the versions we've talked about so far, this is the one that actually references the idea of Christmas. Yeah, it's it's pretty right on the fucking nose, isn't it? (laughs) It is. It's like, here's the story about Jesus Christ, who is Jesus Christ, who is Jesus Christ. Like, all right, I get it. Yeah. And it's it's a lot of like, hey, look, I'm looking at Jesus, and I see Mary. Also, there's angels. Also, like the shepherds. It's like also they're calling the out all the characters from the nativity scene. Yeah, or like there's an you ass know? here. Like, oh, there's the donkey. Yeah, there's yeah. the sheep. There's the kings, and they have the gifts. And it's like, yeah, I've put together nativity scenes before. I know these guys. Yeah, I know these things. I know all these guys, and then they. Good Christian, fear for sinners here. The silent word is pleading. You gotta chuck in a fucking moral there. I liked it better when there was a possibility people were fucking in the grass. Yeah, no one's fucking in this grass. No, there's a baby in there. Yeah, and that baby, guess what it wasn't created through? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking grow up, people. (laughs) Um, Anyway, yeah, so the most Christian version. But anyway, Sarah McLaughlin decided to record this one. And this one feels more like pop music than any of the ones so far. Yeah, uh, maybe about the filtering on her vocals. But yeah, there's, it's a ton of like it's very like saturated in that way, and there's a yeah. lot of like picks guitar arpeggios. Yeah, and like whereas like the Olivia Newton John one was distinctly trying drawing on folk, this one is distinctly yeah. drawing on Christmas music, despite yeah, having similar ideas at play. <laughs> Right. But it feels feels quite different. Yeah. Um and 
This one also has a lot of harmonies. It sounds like it's a lot of Sarah McLachlan yeah. harmonies, but everything kind of it feels. How does it feel? Like it's very. It's a lot of space filled. Yeah, even like the piano that's in there is very like echoey. It's like yeah. boom. It's got echoey. a lot of like yeah vibration on it yeah and like there's a flute that comes in later it's a very airy sound yeah there's even a violin or something mm-hmm. um but yeah this is like the this one tries to be like contemplative i think yeah because that's also like the christian ideal they're always like it's not about gift giving and having a good time it's about right. how baby was born and it's like this is the story now you gotta think about it because there's something to learn from it. Yeah. And maybe the thing is like, oh, fear God or whatever. Yeah, fear like, God. It, there's a lesson, like you said. Yeah. Um, so it's trying to be more reverent in that way. Mm-hmm. But then it's at odds with itself because it is a piece of pop music, of music by by way of being sung by Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah, I guess so. I. I feel like it's not interesting enough to like have <laughs> that negative. <laughs> I think, yeah, I like. I mean, it is, but it's just like that's what Christmas is. Yeah, I guess so. Is we've all accepted that every year, everybody's gonna get a little mad about something, but we're all gonna have a good time because at the end of the year, yeah. you celebrate Christmas or not. You, whether you, a lot of non-Jesus lovers celebrate Christmas, so it's like, I don't know, guys. We'll do this whole song and dance every year, but it's not that controversial because nobody really cares because we're all just keeping on doing the same thing. Yeah. So this is probably like the definitive version of this, of what child is this to me? Right. Because it's the one I heard. But is it the definitive version of Greensleeves for you, Alex? No, definitely not. Definitely not. The definitive version of Greensleeves is just me whistling. Yeah, that's... (laughs) (laughs) Damn right. No As one knows this, be. but the way folk music should be done. Are there folk purists no who are like, "Hey, don't you dare record that music. It's not folk anymore." Like, yeah, <laughs> these instruments are too complex. I mean, that's kind of something I've heard about folk music and also about like oral mythology, mm. like the, like oral oh, yeah, traditions. Yeah, like don't write it down. Yeah, okay, once you write it down, it changes, or rather, it doesn't change anymore mm. or as much. So it's very different. Because it, it suddenly becomes sort of stuck in time, which is kind of what happened to Greensleeves in a way, because we're, we're talking about it in terms of being an old song, as right. opposed to just being a song that is constantly updated and, and, and changed. But this Unchanged. is kind of, you know, one example of a modernized version of it. But yeah. obviously, there's a lot of these versions are modernized, but through the lens of it being an old thing, I don't know. I don't know if I'm actually saying anything real, but. Oh, you're saying words for sure, Alex. I'm you're saying, saying that. Words. How can you judge what child is this when you don't even know who the child is? Yeah, what child is this even? No. <laughs> is it the sheep's child? Is, is it, it, a, who, is it a Whose kid lamb? is this? <laughs> whose kid is this? <laughs> who left their kid in the stable? Ah, <laughs> uh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Um, anyway. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? It's pop music. It's, it's Sarah McLaughlin. It's Christmas time, baby. What else can you really say? Yeah. Soft, contemplative, different lyrics. Let's talk about different lyrics again, but with Andrew yes. Bird in 2016. Mm-hmm. 
said nothing. More different lyrics. So this is an Andrew Bird song, obviously, called Green yeah. Wine. Uh, yes. Uses this melody. Apparently, there's an earlier version of the song that I couldn't find on Spotify. This is actually like a Spotify singles version. Mm. And there's a later version of the song as well that's actually off of a Christmas album. Yes. Called Hark. Hark. That is also on my Christmas playlist. Yeah. Some good ones on there. So. Gantry Bird fan. He's a world class whistler. He's like a folk musician guy. Alex, also a world class whistler. Um, but yeah, this one has different lyrics, and we're going to read those out now. Yeah. I had nothing to say on Christmas Day when you threw all your clothes in the snow. When you burnt your hair and you knocked over chairs, I just tried to stay out of your way. But when you fell asleep with blood on your teeth, I just got in my car and drove away. Uh, listen to me, butterfly. There's only so much wine that you can drink in one life, but it will never be enough to save you from the bottom of your glass. So this is a song about alcoholism in the holidays. Yeah, it is. They're like getting in fights and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, very folk in that it's just telling us a story here. Yeah, uh, and it's also like the so there's like a Christmas association because it happens at Christmas. Mm-hmm. The melody is the same as or based on. A yeah. song very heavily associated with Christmas. Heavily associated with Christmas. We're doing it as a Christmas song. And with folk, which, of course, Andrew Bird is associated with folk. So to see him take this one on in a Christmas light makes sense. It's, it's pretty very cool. sensible. Everything lines up. Where the state highway starts, I stop my car. I get out to stare up at the stars. And as meteors died and shot across the sky, I just thought about your sad, shining eyes. And I went back for my clothes when the sun finally rose. Oh, but you were still passed out on the floor. Oh, and then, sad. then you get the uh, the chorus again. Listen to me, Butterfly. Yeah, so it's a sad song about... Yeah, it is. And also... So... I... The way it's performed, I don't get this vibe. But mm-hmm. because of the last lyric... Of like, I did some stuff, and then when I came back, oh, and you were still passed out. That almost, almost framed like a joke, which I would also expect from like certain folk songs. Right. You know? Be like, ah, oh, we did the whole thing, but he just passed out from being too drunk. It's like, ah, ha, 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 they're uh, drinking too much. That's classic drink. comedy. But it's not, but I don't know, it made me think of that. Think of that. I could see it being in a comical light. It seems to strike me more as like a... Like, ultimately, you're the one who lives with your alcoholism. Like, I was able to leave. Yeah. And, it's like, not like what happened. They don't and, do it as a joke, but yeah, it kind of made me think of that, that sort of song. Even yeah. on the Jethro Tull Christmas album, there's a um, song called, um, oh my gosh, Last Man at the Party. That's kind of that, where it's okay. like, it's about like drinking and, and partying a lot, but it's not like, Oh, we drank too much because of alcoholism and got in a fight, right? Or anything. It's, it's more like we, yeah. you know, we closed. It's like we partied down. so much, and then the partied last so guy hard. there said "Happy New Year" because we were partying so hard <laughs> because the party lasted all week or whatever. All week. See, that's fun. That's, that's yeah, delightful. <laughs> that's like the fun version. But yeah, this yeah, is not. This is not that. This is like I stared up at the sky and thought about how our relationship is falling apart because of your alcoholism. It's like, oh damn. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's quite rough. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so you get that uh, Green Sleeves melody right off the bat on that violin. Um, but ultimately, yeah. this one is like a really simple piece. It's a lot of just like strummed acoustic guitar yep. with him telling his story. Yep, some of that violin. And a bit, yeah, a bit of violin in there, maybe some plucked. He's known for plucking the violin as well. This version has some lyrics missing compared to the ones on. Oh, no. Um, on genius 
Just yeah. Because he says, listen to me, butterfly, there's only so much wine. And doesn't sing the rest of what I guess is a chorus. Oh, okay, yeah. Because he just says, only so much wine. And then kind of cuts it off there. Um, and That's again, I couldn't find cut, the original yeah. version. I do like that. I, I like the end just being there's only so much wine. Yeah. Because I don't know if the rest of the chorus adds much to that idea. Yeah, it like defines the idea for sure, but yeah. it's you've got it pretty good and there's only so much wine. Yeah, that's a good end, too. Mm-hmm. There's only so much wine. So a question I had about this one, is there a significance to wine being green? That's a great question, Alex. Here's my answer to you. Green wine has probably gone bad because that's not a regular wine color. Yeah, because I know <laughs> I know like a few colors of wine. None of them are green. Um, Vino Verde, literally oh. green wine, refers to Portuguese wine that originated in the historic Minnow province in the far north of the country. So it's cool. they're specifically drinking Portuguese wine. I don't know it's if Portuguese that's the reference. Um, I, I mean, yeah, like it's green, probably a reference. The name to green, green wine, but translates as young wine, I guess, because green grapes would also be younger grapes. Oh. So maybe there's something to that. Interesting. Um, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, like this young person green. has sort of lost their their path before their time, right? They've been turned into green wine too soon. Yeah. Maybe. Or green That's... wine is like wine that you threw up, but vomit isn't green. Green. Hang on. I've played Ocarina green. of Time on the N64. Eat, Everybody pukes green and bleeds green. Everybody pukes green on the N64. That's true. I do have the ver- a version of Ocarina of Time that's late enough that uh, the blood was turned to green. To green. Yeah, I think I do too. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's an interesting... I always say it's an interesting version to fill time. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, well, but it's, it's it's the sound of Andrew Bird. It's, it's got the sound that, of Andrew got Bird. Got the strumming, got those um, got those strings, and like we said before, it does have like that more contemplative feel. But as compared to the uh, what child is this, which we just talked about, which is trying to be a little bit of that, be like, oh, think about the great mysteries of, of mm-hmm. our our religion. Um, this is more personal. You know, it's a small story. About yeah, it is people. like the least Christmassy version, perhaps. It's yeah, it's set at Christmas. It's but set it's, at like, Christmas. Hey, it's Christmas, but... but we're sad because it's supposed to be happy time, but it just highlights problems. Yeah, and it's a pretty simple performance. Like it doesn't use like as large of a band as most of these versions. It's probably a little bit more band than uh, Peter Seeger, Pete Seeger, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, I think, like I said, there's a later version that sounds a little more like Greensleeves directly, because the Mm -hmm. melody of this one, as much as it is based off of Greensleeves, sounds a bit different for reasons I couldn't put my finger on, but then, like, once they get to the violin, it's very much Greensleeves. Yeah, it's very clear. Um, But for some reason, yeah, the vocal melody is like a little something else. Yeah. I, I... the way I felt it, anyway. And you felt it, brother. I felt it, brother. And I feel that it's time for our final verdicts, Alex. Yeah. We got three categories today. The worst version, the best version, and, of course, the most Christmassy version. Alex, what's the worst version of this? What's the worst version? It's hard to pick a worst version. Because they all suck. Because they all suck. No, because it's like, I don't know. It's Easy. Letting girls choir. Who gives a shit? A choir? Pfft. 
But the Luton Girls Choir ha- definitely has the the you know it's not much to listen to. It's it just really old isn't. without much redeeming quality. It's old and moldy. I'm done with it. Worst version. <laughs> it might be more. It would be more interesting to see live. Yes, um, for sure. But yeah, it the recording doesn't really survive very well. Fair enough, Alex. So that's the worst version, Alex. What's the best version? Oh man, I'm, I'll give it to Jethro Tull because that's the one I really like. But there's give it to him, baby. Here. There is. I'm, I'm giving it to, it to, to Pete Seeger because it's yeah, blew me that away. was so cool. That was very cool. And um, I think in terms of like it, yeah. it's an instrumental performance slash just non lyrical vocals. So in terms of like, can I play it at Christmas time? Can I play it outside of Christmas time? You can play it whenever. It's folk music that has Christmas connotations put upon yeah. by us. So yeah, I, I thought it was brilliant. Blown away by that. And it's nice and short too. Perfect. Beautiful. Sweet. Alex, what's the most Christmassy version? Oh, the most Christmassy version? I mean, for me, it's Sarah McLachlan. Like that. I have to. <laughs> that look, reminds me of yeah. old Christmases. Yeah. Fair enough. I think Worst if I was going for me, it would be the Jethro Tull version. I think overall, Sarah McLachlan's version is the Christmas music as I understand it. A pop artist singing some old tune, and it comes out sounding like the Sarah McLachlan version or pretty close to it every time. Yeah. Although I do think that. John Coltrane Quartet has a Christmassy sound too. I like only because it's an older style of recording that I associate with Christmas. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, like yeah. When John Coltrane is playing the melody on the sax, that's very Christmassy to me. When they're just jamming out, not Christmassy to me. <laughs> not so much. Not so yeah. much. But, but I'll give some yeah. points there. Sarah McLaughlin. That's Sarah McLaughlin. Christmassy for sure. Yeah, I'm going to lock that one in too, Sarah McLaughlin. I think it is like kind of the umbrella Christmassy sound that I think of, even if that version itself is not significant to me, as significant as the Jethro Tell version. Mm-hmm. Just my Christmas song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that does it for a final verdict. So you got a different opinion, similar opinion. Want to talk about a version we didn't talk about, of which there are, of course, very many. Hit us up on Twitter. We're still there for now. Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guys. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. You can also email those to us, CoverMePod at gmail.com. Talk to us there. Uh, be sure to rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. I'm just going to go ahead and guess that we're still out of four stars, so get on that Spotify app. Hit us with that five star. Um, you know, come on. If we were in your fucking Spotify review, this year your Spotify rap, give us five stars. Come on, baby. Think of all the time we spent together. <laughs> Think about it all. Remember the don't, good times that we had. Don't you love us? Don't you fucking love us? Um, and tell your friends about us. Tell your friends. Tell your friends about yeah. us, because you are the marketing team here. Uh, I told you to rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. And folks, that does it for today's episode. And as we always say, uncover me. Cover Me was all my joy. Cover Me was my delight. Cover Me was my heart of gold. And who but my podcast, Cover Me.